0: hello and welcome to the animation industry podcast my name is terry and you need to go support this podcast on patreon right now the link is in the description of this chat thank you This chat is with Keika Lee, a producer and founder of Grayscale Animation, known for its viral short, Odd Dog, and upcoming Oren's Way. In our chat, she shares how she went from the production side of things, from studios like Electronic Arts and DreamWorks, to founding her own animation studio, including how she's funded her films and built a team of animators. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hello, hello, Keika. How are you doing today?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: Good. Yeah, I'm excited to chat. Thanks for coming on. Um, let's let's just kick things off. So, as far as I understand, you were in the tech world, and then you decided to break out into animation. What is that? Is that? Can you give some background on why and how you made this decision?
1: Oh, actually, um, I started out in animation. Um, I went to school uh, as and studied 2D animation. I was going to be a 2D animator. But then I uh, got hired at EA as a production coordinator. Oh. And um, that's how I got into games. <laughs>
0: oh, wait. what is Okay, what is it like studying 2D animation? And then, because uh, production coordinator, you're not animating at all. You're, like, uh, making sure everybody's on time. You're working with uh, the producers and the, the directors and all the other people. Yeah. How did that? How did that feel, like, you know, studying 2D animation and then not... Not getting that as a as a job right away.
1: You know that that's a great question because um, I I really though I really loved animating and drawing and being creative. I also loved bringing a team together uh-huh. and um, helping them create. So when I got to EA and I helped artists create, I realized there was another passion inside me. And so I accepted the role as a production coordinator and I never looked back. I stayed on the path of being in production.
0: So, okay. So then at what point did you say, um, I want to merge my production coordination skills and and bringing people together and my love for 2d hand-drawn animation and, and start your own studio.
1: Um, so, uh, wow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) ever since i was little um i so it all started when i was little Uh, when i was seven years old i saw my first disney animated film which was cinderella and i loved that film to death where i would take scenes of that film and draw try to draw it frame by frame
0: Oh my goodness um, as a seven-year-old
1: yeah, <laughs> as a seven-year-old
0: so you totally um, understood how animation <laughs> uh, animation worked like at a very young age
1: yeah i did so <laughs> so i was obsessed with it so then as i was drawing it i realized well how does it come together how do people work together like i, I actually thought about that and i learned about walt disney And I thought, wow, Walt Disney seems like a really awesome person. And I learned more about Walt Disney. And I realized, you know what? I want to be Walt Disney. I actually want (laughs) to run a studio. So um, it all started then. And I thought, you know, I want to learn the craft first. I want to actually draw. I want to be an animator and uh, understand artists first. So I thought, okay. First I'll understand artists, first I'll understand their process, and um, then I'll think about how to uh, help them and manage them, and um, that's how I got into production. And so um, I did the producing role for quite some time at EA, at DreamWorks, at Zynga, and some other companies and after that i uh, left the corporate world and decided to finally make my own short film and start grayscale animation
0: wow okay there's a lot i want to talk about there first of all um (laughs) i heard you broke the vhs tape of cinderella you played it so many times but how, how did you how did you draw frame by frame were you just pressing pause really fast and then
1: Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> Do you still have those frames? Like now that you ca- have the capability of like putting them all together, can you play back that animation and see what it looked like?
1: I don't. I don't. Oh, wow. I, yeah.
0: This is hilarious. I've never heard of somebody doing this before. Usually people are like, <laughs> I watched Disney and it was magic. And then when I was older, I realized it was animation. But okay, so you, you, t- you told me that you from a very young age wanted to understand animators and and all these like very complex uh i guess like thoughts that people don't usually have until they're in the industry or or close to entering the industry but it sounds like you had these dreams and aspirations from a very young kid were your parents supportive of this like um they saw you drawing like Cinderella over and over and over again. And they were like, yeah, go to, go to animation school and learn 2d animation. Like (laughs) how did that, how did that go?
1: Yeah. Fortunately, I had parents who were very supportive of the arts Yeah, and um, they did their best to put me in as many art classes as they could find and Ah. could afford and programs that were, um, there was this one program where you mail in a drawing that you find in a magazine. Like you have to copy a drawing in a magazine and then you mail it in and they uh, send a salesman to your house and uh, say, hey, you drew this really well. Um, Why don't you sign up for our program? And so they signed me up for the program and um, I did art classes via mail and would get critiques by a teacher via mail. It was really funny. No, wow,
0: I've never I've ne- what do you remember what this is called? I've literally never yeah. heard of this and it actually sounds like no, I- <laughs>
1: really useful. I I don't remember what it was called, but it was a pretty popular art program back in the 80s um but it was really funny. Um but I remember that and um my when we moved to the Bay Area when I was like 9 um there was a local art Center that my parents would put me in different art classes there. And um, by the time I was about to go to college, they wanted me to go to an art focused college. So yeah, they wow. were very supportive. That's yeah.
0: amazing. I, I'm wondering, like, how did that feel knowing? Because I talked to a lot of people and and uh a lot of people don't have the support of going to college. So it's like a big risk, and they have to like really convince their their family and and other support contacts and stuff. Did you did you like did you ever feel like you were taking a big risk getting into to animation and art, or it just kind of felt uh, like maybe more natural that you were pursuing this?
1: It felt natural to me. Um, I always just felt like it was meant to be. And um, when I was in high school, my dad my dad told me. He was proud of me that I was going to become an animator because he confessed to me that that's what his father and he wanted to be when they. Oh my goodness!
0: Up. Wow! Yeah, that's have you. Yeah. So now, now that you are an animator, how does that conversation go with him?
1: He is super proud. He is <laughs> proud beyond belief. Yes. Wow, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> well, c- congratulations. I think that's awesome. I want to. I want to ask you. You know, you said you you quit your job in production and started Grayscale. W- why did you quit your job? Why couldn't you work still full time and do a studio in your spare time, or um, you know, work part time and like? Why did you? Why did you decide to quit?
1: Um. I wanted to put my focus on the business, um, but I do want to say that I did work part time during the productions of my short films so I could fund it. Um, some of because half of the film was funded, self funded by me um, through those part time jobs and through those contract jobs. So I was still working, but other okay. gigs, you know. Um, but uh, they weren't my they weren't my like tech jobs or anything like that. Um, but I did leave the tech world in order to do this because it was my dream, you know, and I wanted to take the risk and finally do it um, because it, I felt like it was the right time. It, yeah. it was I had the um, experience of working in the. Uh, bigger studios and understanding how things worked and I had the network to uh, tap into for um, resources or people that I could ask for help.
0: I I mean congratulations that's a big risk it's reminding me you know I was in the business world and I faced something similar and I also had this like burning like uh candle, I guess maybe where I was like, I have to do this now or the flame's gonna like go out. So like you mm-hmm. know I had I had savings uh my company was just sold, not my company the company I worked for was just sold to a company in the state so the culture was drastically changing um you know I I was applying to Sheridan and I got in and like uh I had all these like factors that gave me like life clues and hints that like you have to do this now. Cause it's like mm-hmm. the right time, but also I had like safety net and like a little bit of security. So if things didn't go well, I could, you know, maybe jump back into the business world or rely on my savings for a time. Like, it sounds like you had something similar, I guess. It's just, you know, I know that quitting your job is just like a big drastic thing. Um, so what gave you, and you, you said you had com- contacts and whatnot. Was that what gave you the confidence to really say like, now's the time. And if I don't, if I don't do this, like... I'm not going to do it.
1: <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I think just my sense of, I think I was just thinking I have to do it now or else I'm going to regret it. Oh, And the regret would have been really, You just don't want to regret not taking a chance on fulfilling your dreams.
0: So tell me about like day one of you quit your job and now you have this, you want to start this studio. Like, how did you move your goal forward to the point that you had a team and you had you know funds and you had an idea and like because there's a lot of steps in between and building a business, especially an animation studio, is incredibly difficult. So can you take me through the steps that you took to get there?
1: Yeah, it, it was it felt very organic. Um, <laughs> That's good. So after after I quit my job, um, I took a little break, and during the break, I started drawing again, um, and which I hadn't done in a while. And I started drawing a boy and a cat. And so you didn't
0: even have an idea when you were like, I'm going to start a studio. You're just like, I'll figure it out.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I just started drawing a boy and a cat. And I kept drawing this boy and cat over and over. And I was like, huh. You know, this would make a really cute cartoon. And, then, and this boy and cat were based off my son and our cat. And I thought of oh, wouldn't it be, wouldn't this story be cute if, and then I created a script. And then I thought, oh, man, I would really love to see a storyboard of the script. And so I reached out to a friend at DreamWorks and I asked her, do you know anybody who could help me with this? And she said, oh, I know someone's great. So then she connected me with somebody and who happened to be free at the time, <laughs> And said, yeah, I'll help you out. So then, it, like I said, it happened organically. And then I thought, oh, shoot, um, maybe I should start something. And then I started assembling a team. And then I thought, okay, well, my drawings are doodles. So I'm going to get somebody to help me finalize character designs." So then I started <laughs> reaching out to character design friends. And then they were like, oh, this is a great idea. Yeah, I'll help you. And then the team just started forming. And then I was like, okay, I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna start my animation studio. Uh-oh. And then Grayscale started.
0: <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you're putting your production coordination skills to use uh <laughs> to, to make this happen. And I love that it happened organically. I'm I'm curious, you know, um, animation can be really expensive. And, you know, uh, especially if you're just kind of exploring an idea versus like you have a surefire plan. How did you manage the finances of this, of this film, you know, so many people out there are trying to create short films and bring in their friends and, and it, you know, the, the mm-hmm. price can rack up, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So how did you manage, you know, you didn't have a full time job anymore, you were taking gigs and, st- and contracts, you said, yeah. like, how did you manage supporting yourself? And then also self-funding the film and paying all the
1: artists. So um, Odd Dog was mostly funded through Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, So at first I had funds saved up um, from my previous job. So I was using some of my savings. And luckily my friends were very generous and not charging me their full price. And um, so I was able to you know, get help from there. Um, And also I was lucky and I'm lucky enough where I have a very, I have an amazing husband who takes care of the family um, expenses and everything. So I can take care of my filmmaking. Um, So God bless him. Um, uh, And so with my savings, the Kickstarter funds, and my friends being generous with their rates, I was able to make my first film, Odd Dog.
0: Do you want, I think that's incredible. Do you want to give like a little bit of overview of just for people who haven't seen Odd Dog? I know we talked about, you know, it's, it's your, it's a boy who you see your son with and a dog, but maybe you could just give a little bit of an overview of what the film is like.
1: Oh, so the film is about a boy who um, really wants a dog and his mom will only allow him to have a cat. And uh, the boy meets a cat that acts like a dog. So it's the perfect companion. Um, and the film is in black and white, and it's non-dialogue, and it's all hand-drawn. Um, and you watch it to see whether or not the boy accepts the cat as his man's best friend.
0: <laughs> and it, yes. and you received quite some success for this film online too you know i think the youtube is at half a million views uh did you and and you know you you've got it it's done the festival circuit etc etc did you anticipate like what was i guess what was the goal of producing this film so you're like i want to start an animation studio i want to create a film uh like what what was the overall goal that you were hoping with with this first film like because there's many things you know you could go for financial success you could go for you know awards and accolades you could uh, use it towards a portfolio to to build up your own personal um like uh work or whatnot so like what what was the purpose of creating this film in the first place and what would you consider success before it all happened
1: my goal, uh, my goal was definitely to, well, first off, to create a short. Um, yeah. I think, if anything, people say, oh, I'm going to make a short, you know, and sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. And, like, I just wanted to do it as a life goal bucket list thing. And <laughs> so it happened, right? And I I was pleasantly surprised at how much people loved it and um, like and I'm pleasantly surprised at the amount of people that have seen it on YouTube and uh, the nice comments that it gets um, and how it uh, makes people feel good so um, but my ultimate goal was to yes um, build a portfolio for grayscale um, show people that we make, quality, heartfelt films. And um, ultimately, I would like to see Odd Dog become a series. Oh, nice.
0: So, so okay, I have questions on that. But also, I just want to chat like maybe a a little bit about the Kickstarter because, you know, Kickstarters uh, don't always get funded. I know a couple of short films that started a Kickstarter and didn't receive their funding for animation. So was there anything that you did specifically that got you, uh, over the edge of, of the goal you were, you were looking for?
1: Mm, I, I definitely did my research where I looked at other, uh, successful animated film Kickstarters and I looked at like what made them successful. Sometimes I would reach out to those, uh, Kickstarter, um, people and ask them like for advice and some would write back and let me know what helped them and what didn't, um, rewards, the different types of rewards definitely help. Um, and I was able to get advisors on my, uh, Kickstarter, like really, um, famous advisors. And I think that helped as well. Um, I think already having some good artwork helps to show that the uh, film is already in progress and that you're on your way to, um, you're going to execute it, you know, that give people the faith that you're going to finish it. Um, I think that helps. And um, it also helps to... uh, set your goal at a um realistic level um a lot of people set it at like really high but um i set it at a level where i was like okay if i make this goal i can still make it happen and um i was able to reach that goal um and was able to still make odd dog with the amount of money that i received
0: Amazing. So um I also know you're producing a new film, uh, Orin's Way. You know, I've I've seen uh shots from it. Um and you know, it looks amazing. And you also got a successful Kickstarter, et cetera, et cetera. From Odd Dog, uh, did the momentum of that film and the online like the festival circuit and like the online uh success of it lead to a, a more smoother? experience with creating your next film like do you have like you know more followers now more people who are uh donating um etc etc
1: yeah um, orange way actually got done in may oh. um so it's already in the festival circuit but um yeah i i learned so much from odd dog uh that i uh orange way was a much smoother production and i of course learned a lot more from orange fight because it was a more complex production than odd dog and a bigger production team and i'd say it yeah it was it was a monster compared to odd dog
0: (laughs) wow i mean just from what i've seen it definitely looks like it especially because you included color instead of just black and white (laughs) Um, I'm wondering okay you said you said you want Odd Dog to be a series and I'm assuming you have uh, more grand plans for a grayscale animation how um would you accomplish that would are you trying to use what you've already created to go to uh like studios and get funding for a fully produced series uh or would you sell the IP to a studio or like you know what are the what are the plans overall for grayscale animation if you keep creating shorts like this
1: Mm -hmm. ideally i would love to keep the ip um i would love to make the series myself but i'm open to selling the ip to a bigger network and having i just want to see it made um i think it's an awesome idea and i think a lot of kids love it and i i would love to see those characters just continue their journey
0: that makes that makes a lot of sense um Do you you have more projects that you're working on now? Like, I'm just wondering how large grayscale animation has become since you started, I think, Odd Dog in what, 2017, is
1: that right? Yeah, 2017, yeah. So it's been quite a few years since since then. Yeah, it has. Um, We're working on a third film um, that hasn't been announced yet and uh, a couple other projects. That we'll probably
0: announce later on this year. Nice. So, how's has your? Uh, I'm just curious. Has your business model overall changed from the original? You know, Odd Dog was self-funded and Kickstarter, and you had a small team. Do you now have people working full-time, or do you have other funding routes, or investors? Or I'm just curious on how how this the how you've grown the company over the last s- six years. I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're actually. Uh, changing our funding route uh this year um been working with business advisors and consultants so wow. things are changing <laughs> are you still
0: working part-time in in the production world yourself no so and you're full-time, full-time on, wow how, how does that feel
1: yeah it feels great um i this is a dream come true like i i it's stressful owning your own business but I love it so much that the love just takes over the stress. That's yeah.
0: amazing to hear. I mean, there's a lot, right? I mean, there's a lot, I guess, of responsibilities and, and whatnot riding on just you alone, I'm assuming, because, you know, this is your business mm-hmm. and your stories, et cetera, et cetera, What would you say, like, looking back to that moment where you quit your past job till now, what has really carried you through and made you like you said there's a lot of stresses but there's a lot of love for it but what is what is you know when times are tough and like things are not going well or you're in the thick of it or like what has carried you through and helped you persevere up until this point and make it you know keep growing grayscale animation
1: i'd say the people around me um my family and my crew um I keep telling myself who I'm doing this for. Um, I I can't, couldn't have done this without my husband and my son who are always cheering me on and my crew, like I'm constantly thinking this film has to be done. It has to be successful because my crew is working so hard on it and I have to work my butt off to make sure it gets done and it gets into all these festivals and people see it, you know? and um, yeah I just uh, that is what keeps me going I
0: I think that's amazing and that makes a lot of sense and it, it, it even ties into how you uh, have a love for bringing people together are you also animating yourself on, on your films too now or
1: <laughs> no I'm not I no.
0: there's no <laughs> shots where you're like I really want to do this so I'm going to take this over
1: myself <laughs> no no.
0: Yeah, i also wanted to ask you about the team you built because you know um it seems like you've got quite a diverse uh crew from all around the world how you know how have you built your animation team and how have you gotten all these connections and whatnot
1: oh god it's like a different story for each one um <laughs> Some of them uh, came from like San Jose State. Um, they were recommendations from there and San Jose State's a great school for animation. Um, they have very talented students. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so thankful to them. Um, and some of them I find on social media. I'll see their work and I'll be like, wow, this person's really good. And I'll reach out to them, like kind of cold email them and just be like, I really love your work. Do you want to work on my film? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some of them, like I've known for years or something. And I'll just, like I say, reach out and say, hey, I'm working on this film. Would you be interested in helping out for a couple months? Yeah. um it's really just about asking and pitching my idea and seeing if um, they'd be up for working on something that is I'm really passionate about and I think that's what shows is that as long as you're passionate about what you're working on and what you're asking for help on it really shows and then the people who work on it too like really love it themselves.
0: Yeah. Do you have any tips for managing so many different people from so many different places? I mean, like you're hitting deadlines, you have to give direction, you have to pass off things. You have a whole, I'm sure you have a whole pipeline in place covering multiple different programs and somebody has to composite animation from different people and different programs. Do you have any tips for managing all this? Like it sounds like a crazy amount of work to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. So for the people that were in the United States, we had a weekly uh, meeting, to daily weekly dailies kind of meeting for animators, and uh, we had a Slack channel for people internationally. And if we ever had to meet up on video call, that's that was necessary. Um, we did, and then uh, there was also uh, I would record video. If necessary for like video reference on shots, um, that was really uh, helpful, <laughs> and um, there was just constant communication. Um, we used uh, we used programs like Basecamp and uh, Google Sheets, um, just. I had a wonderful producer who would also over communicate with the artists and make sure that they got all the notes that they needed, um, for each shot. Uh, yeah. So it was just a lot of over-communicating.
0: That sounds, that sounds like a good strategy. <laughs> um, maybe it's like a final, a final topic. Like, you know, If somebody's listening and they're, you know, they have production skills, they have animation skills, they have artist friends, um, and they're not quite ready to take the leap, but they really want to, you know, create a short film with a team or start a studio or, or uh, something like that. What what would you say they, like, what would your advice be for them to have in place to really make it successful if they do take the plunge based on your experience?
1: Don't look at it as one huge task because you'll get overwhelmed. Take baby steps, um, And when you take those baby steps, you'll be surprised at how much you get done. And then you'll be surprised when you cross that finish line. Yeah. Um, people tend to look at the project as a whole and they get scared and they don't even start. And, For me, like when I just started the film Odd Dog and I just kept going, the momentum just kept going and going until the film was done. And I was like, whoa, it's done. Oh my gosh. And I had my film. Um, So that's the advice I would give people who have always wanted to make their own film is to just take it one step at a time.
0: I also think it's interesting that you didn't have like uh, an idea before you started the studio. And like, you know, I've had this idea stewing for years and years and I really want to make it. And now you're making it. You, you kind of let it come to you and you said you were just drawing and you found something that you thought was really interesting. Do Have you also had the experience where you've had an idea and you've tried to push it and it hasn't organically happened?
1: No, I think, I try to have ideas organically happen. Um, Oren's Way happened that way, too. Hmm. Um, when Odd Dog was just about to wrap, I started drawing a princess. Um, the princess just started appearing on my paper. <laughs> and I was like, who is this? And then I started drawing her more and more until she finally formed into this redheaded, braided red-headed braided princess and i was like okay i gotta find out who this person is and then she turned into orin and that's wow. how orin became yeah
0: hey i like this i like this and now it's and now the <laughs> second one is finished too i think that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> um you know as we're wrapping up i'm wondering is there anything that you wanted to still share that we didn't talk about i mean we talked about kind of your journey how you started from drawing cinderella over and over and over again to going (laughs) school, to to getting into production using those skills to found your own studio and then making two short films one which has already gotten massive online success and the other one that is now in the festival circuit you know is there anything that you wanted to still share we didn't talk about um
1: i just wanted to say that i i'm so thankful to be doing this and um i'm thankful to my crew like I really could not have done this without them and I I feel so blessed I I feel so so blessed to meet all these people and thank you Terry for having me on your podcast this was really amazing
0: Oh, of course! I, I, I love hearing and uncovering stories like yours. I think it is absolutely amazing, and and you know, I've seen, I've seen Odd Dog, and it's super cute and super fun, and and uh, I can't wait to see Oren's way as well as the next stuff. And uh, I think it's, I think it's also really great that you're uh, pushing for two D animation and supporting traditional animation artists when it's so. It's so hard to do and find projects like that. And literally every animation artist wants to work on stuff like that. But then the TV world and the the film world, they want, you know, the puppet rigged animation, the 3D animation. So I think it's fantastic that you're also keeping this alive too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
0: Cool. Well, uh, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. And uh, if you're listening and you want to reach out to Keiko or follow Grayscale Animation and see what projects she's coming up with next, I'm going to include their website which is greyscaleanimation.com as well as their instagram and twitter which both go under Grayscale animation and that's all for now so thank you so much for listening okay bye the music for this podcast was composed by Willem Mendo and the graphics by Han Wang I encourage you to look them up if you've enjoyed their work